welcome, welcome, welcome. Man, what a good Sunday already, huh? Come on. This is, this is just such good stuff. And it's just a, a privilege uh, to be with you here on something that we call Partnership Sunday. I was speaking, I'll speak to you a little bit more <coughs> about that in, in a moment. I just want to uh, say uh, for those of you who are from uh, Nigeria, it is Nigerians Independence Day. Come on, can we honor that and celebrate that? The shirts and outfits that my wife and I are wearing today are from the country of Nigeria, so we honor uh, your country today. And I just uh, want to give credit where credit's due. Also recognize somebody very special. I'll talk a little bit more about this, and you'll see where it fits. But we have uh, Mama Lucy with us today. Mama Lucy, would you stand? She's one of our global partners here. Come on. Her and her husband do uh, a lot of the uh, groundwork for us uh, and what we're doing in East Africa and just tremendous leaders there. And so we thank them. And they came, she came from Kenya to Atlanta, Atlanta to here. So it is just an honor. Can we welcome her once again? Thank you, Mama Lucy. Thank you. Well, I want to uh, begin today. We're going to go on a bit of a journey today and, um, and hopefully... Uh, we'll uh, land here at the end in a very powerful way. But I want to begin, before we talk about the cards on, on the seats, I want to begin in, in, in another place. I want to begin by just talking to you about Champaign-Urbana and its rich history. Uh, in 1946, an event happened in the city of Toronto that seemingly had nothing to do with Urbana, but over time it would in a great way. In Toronto, Canada, 22 student missions organizations met for the very first time in order to explore how to talk about taking the gospel to the nations of the world. And they would meet there in 1946 and 1947. It grew, and they decided in order to really... Um, really maximize the exposure of this event and what they were doing. They decided that it was going to have to be more centrally located in North America, and Toronto was too far to the north. Well, through a series of conversations, uh, a board of trustees member at the University of Illinois, who was a strong Christian man, said, hey, listen, I think we could host you at the University of Illinois and invited them to come, they agreed. And in 1948, for the very first time, something called the Urbana Conference was held here in Champaign-Urbana, Illinois. It would happen every three years and would go so for 50 plus years until the early 2000s, until that grew uh, this location. Now they've moved it to St. Louis. But Tens of thousands of students would come, stay here for a few days, attend, fill out the State Farm Center, pack it out, to hear speakers from around the world talk about what God was doing, justice issues, and um, the different parts of the world, the proclamation of the gospel. And they say, an old, older evangelist by the name of Billy Graham, some of you have heard of him, said this at one time, that uh, 50%, over 50% of the U.S. missionaries, Christian workers sent out to the world could trace their call to that from this city in Champaign-Urbana, Illinois. They say that what started out with just 22 little student organizations with roughly 100 people, 100 or so people there, turned out to be over a quarter of a million people have come to this city 
God called them and sent them to the nations of the world. You know, I think about that, and they say this too, is that some of the richest soil, if not the richest soil in the world, is located from Springfield, Illinois, east all the way to Indiana. In fact, they just discovered, they claim the richest soil in the world 50 miles away from here because of the prairie and the forest combination. And I just like to think that, that God has, uh, plants things here, grows things here that will impact and change the world. He did it with a conference. He does it with the University of Illinois every year. People come, they do research, they learn. Some of you are here. You're getting this wonderful education, and you will go to the nations of the world to apply your trade and your knowledge. If he did it with a school and he did it with a conference, I believe he is and will do it in a greater way through a local church. Come on, somebody. That's true. That's it. Come on. That's worth clapping then. So how does God do this kind of stuff? I want to talk to you, and I want to put this out there, that the way that God takes all that we are, multiplies it, and impacts the world is through a principle called partnership. And twice a year, we highlight this principle of partnership. In, in the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 1, uh, the apostle Paul says that you have been my partners in the spreading of the gospel. That's what he says. For you have been my partners in the spreading of the good news, the gospel, uh, about, about uh, Christ from this time, from the first time you heard it until now. That's an interesting phrase that he uses there. We, we've heard, some of you have heard of this before. It's, it's koinonia. And that's, that's, that's a work of the bonding of the spirit. There's something that happens in a spiritual sense where God takes people from different nations, different economics and different education levels, and somehow through the spirit binds them in a committed relationship together in a Christ-centered, spirit-filled-centered community called the church. But that process is called koinonia. Uh, Paul would be in prison, and he says, here I am in chains, but yet I carry you in my heart. And that's what God is doing when you're part of a local church, is that we carry each other in our hearts. It's a heart connection. It's something, a welding of the Spirit around a common mission that he brings us together. And Paul would articulate this over and over and over again in different letters as he wrote to different churches, describing how partnership plays out in, in our lives. Uh, first one is in Romans 15, uh, where he says this, is that you have strived together with me in our prayers. It says that uh, you have strived together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. Did you know one of the ways that we partner, this koinonia takes place, is that we show our partnership by striving together for one another in our prayers. It's a powerful statement to say, I'm praying for you. What you're doing is that's partnership. And then here's another one. He said it is through our serving. He said this in 2 Corinthians 8, uh, Titus, I'm sending to you Titus, my fellow worker among you. And so when Paul talks about partnership, he's talking about it in terms of serving together, working alongside my time and my talent and, 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 and coming together and around a common work to do something for the kingdom of God. It's, it's about serving together. And then the third area that Paul seems to categorize partnership is in the area of giving. And he said in Philippians 4 
that you gave to me in my time of need. He would echo this over and over and over again in different scenarios. He would say, you gave to me in your time of need. We partner as a church. I don't even like the word membership, but I love the word partnership. How many of you have gym memberships that you don't even go to anymore? Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'm not into membership, but I am into partnership. It's not about one person or an organization. It's about all of us bringing our prayers are working, are serving together, and also are giving together. On Partnership Sundays, we unashamedly talk about the third one, and that is this, uh, this thing that we call giving. And um, I just want to say, though I'm getting ready to talk about giving, and I know some of you, this may be your first time in a church in a long time, and you're like, I knew it, they're after my money. <laughs> All about the money. And I feel that. I'm checking. I'm with you. Okay, I'm with you. And there's no bait and switch here. And, but there are thousands of verses in the Bible that talk about this topic of money. And I'll, I'll use Paul's words when he's in 2 Corinthians. He's talking to them about giving to a church in need because of famine. He says to the church, and it's interesting he had to say this because I feel that pressure as a pastor. He said this, I am not after your money but I am after your heart. And so I'll just say that unashamedly. I'm not after your money today, rest assured. But what I am after is your heart. It was Martin Luther, the reformer, says that Christians go through three conversions. Are you ready? The first one is a conversion of the heart. The second one is a conversion of the mind. That's your thinking. And the third one, he said, is the conversion of your pocketbook, your money. Come on, somebody. And that's the last, he said, and the hardest one to get converted. But let me talk to you about uh, giving theologically. Three thoughts I just want to set as the foundation of what we're going to be talking about today. And the first one is, this, is that giving is uh, really a reflection of the priorities of our heart. That's the truth. Giving is a reflection of the priorities of the heart. Now, have you ever gone to the hospital with a perceived or real heart issue? One of the first things they'll do after they check blood pressure and after they do all kinds of tests, they'll run you through an EKG and so they can see what's really going on uh, with your heart. And, you know, spiritually, we have something like that, and it's in the area of giving. Because Jesus says in Matthew 6, he said that uh, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He connects giving and our treasures to our hearts. And you've heard me say this before, that your credit card statements are theological statements. Your bank account, your bank statements are theological statements because what they're saying to you, this is what matters to me because that's where my treasure's going. So giving is a reflection of our hearts. Also is this, uh, giving is a reflection of the Holy Spirit's uh, work in our church. In Acts chapter 4, you, you heard me preach on this a few weeks ago, it says, and after they had prayed, intense persecution, it says, man, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them, and it says they proclaimed it with great power. There were miracles taking place. I mean, there were all kinds of things happening. And then it says this, right in the middle of that, and it says, and there was no need among them. In fact, some people, because of the need, 
would sell houses and properties and give the proceeds of that to meet the needs. It was an incredible work that God was doing, not just as individuals, but as the corporate whole. Now, I'll say this, is that the gospel can only move through a local church at the pace of our collective giving. The gospel can only move through a local church at the pace of our collective giving. It's not what we're doing as individuals, what God is doing as a whole. So it's a reflection of the Holy Spirit at work in a place. Let me just say this. Giving in the Bible is a spirit. It's a spirit. It's the spirit of generosity. There are some things that you can teach, and you can teach generosity and giving, but some things you have to catch. And when you get around, I hope you get around Stone Creek people because we're some of the most giving and generous people in this whole community because there's a spirit on this place. Come on, somebody. That's it. So you have, it's a reflection of the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. It's interesting that the first one is a reflection of God the Son. It's, it's, it's God the Son. We reflect his character and nature in our life. The second one is God the Holy Spirit. And this last one is God the Father. The whole trinity is involved in giving. And that's this one, is that if you're giving, it proves our trust in God. Giving is a reflection of our trust or our faith in God. It says this in Proverbs 3, that we are to honor the Lord with the first fruits of all of our crops. Some translations say you are to glorify the Lord. Trust the Lord with the first fruits of all your crops. It says then... Your barns will be filled with overflowing. I like that. And then it says this, and your vats. I don't, I don't know about vats, but I like the vats. It says it will brim over uh, with new wine. What a beautiful picture that we have here when it talks about uh, giving and the fact that it's a way that we prove and show our trust in God. You know, listen, I am under no illusions that many of us feel like we're being squeezed like we've never been squeezed before in this economy. I know rent's going up. I know interest rates are going up. I know every utilities are going up. I know that. But listen, that does not nullify the promises of God. The promises of God can work in any economy. Do you believe that? I believe that. It was in Isaac when in Genesis, in the land of famine, when he, he wanted to leave, he says, no, stay here in Egypt. It's in famine, I know. So seed in a famine, and the scripture says, in the year he sowed it, he reaped a hundredfold return in a famine. So listen, God has the ability to bless us in the midst of even difficult times and seasons. I like that, Mama Lucy, you raising the hand. Okay, you're with me, Mama Lucy. I like that. So now... Uh, what I'd like to talk to you is about how we do giving at Stone Creek Church. Now, there's a, an umbrella term that we use that encompasses our philosophy of giving we call kingdom builders. And that really is just meaning that we're not out to build our kingdom, the kingdom of Ricky Spindler. We're out here to build the kingdom of God. And we're not trying to make Stone Creek's name famous. We're trying to make Jesus' name famous. And so when we talk about kingdom builders, we talk about two buckets. And hence, some of you have been wondering, what in the world is Pastor Ricky doing with two buckets up here? Two buckets. And I want to speak to you as we lay the framework for, for where we're going. And uh, just let me talk a little bit about these two buckets. The first bucket, and this is where you start. We'll go over here. Uh, this is, uh, the first bucket is tithing 
And the second bucket is offerings. Let me talk to you about tithing. I say tithing is about obedience and offerings are about generosity. Okay? Tithing, I'm going to get my work out today, my steps in. Tithing is not a finishing line. Tithing is a starting point. Okay? Uh, generosity, as God pours out his grace in, in my heart, a reflection of his grace is that as he opens my heart, I open my hands in ways that has never been before. So tithing is taught in the Old Testament, and it's also taught in the New Testament. It appears in the book of Genesis with Abraham, and we worship the tithe in the book. We worship the Lord with our tithe in the book of Revelation. It's all throughout the scriptures, in the life of David, in the life, uh, even in the prophets Malachi. There are very few things in scripture with more promises attached to it than the biblical principle of tithing. Uh, now, I know there are some people who say, oh, man, everything's out of the Old Testament, man. We don't know. None of that carries over into the New Testament. And I just say, well, I respectfully disagree with that. But even if you do believe that, here's two reasons why we teach it here. Number one, I've done it for almost uh, 30 years now, and I've proven it over my own life. It works. It's amazing. And number two, I've never met anybody who's done it that's regretted it. So for those two reasons alone, we'll teach it here, okay? There you are. So don't send me an email on why it's wrong, Okay. <laughs> We teach it here. And this is where, in the book of Malachi, it says this, the last uh, book of the Old Testament. This is an individual promise where he says to two people as individuals, test me now, says the Lord. Bring the tithe into the storehouse, local church. And he says, and when you do that, I will open the windows of heaven. I will pour out a blessing on you so much so that you will not be able to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer on your behalf. Now that sounds like a really good promise, doesn't it? Amen? And so for us, that means this. We give back to the Lord through the local church 10% of all of our increase. And if we do it as a matter of obedience, a matter of worship, and it is a matter of principle. You know why I love tithing? is because it keeps God first in my life and doesn't allow other things to creep in and become a bigger priority than God. And I'll just say this, um, you know, one of the number one, actually, it is the number one reason marriages end in the entire world over. You know, the number one reason by far, there's not even a close second. It's way over 50%. Region, reasons people get divorced is over money. Fighting over how to spend it. I'm a budget. I'm a budget person. I'm a spending person. Can't get on the same page. Where does it go? It's often a fight over money that ends a marriage. You know, one of the best advices I give couples when they come to meet with me. It's a kind of comes out of nowhere. I say, I talk to them about tithing because it's a keystone habit. It's amazing how when you get this one area of your life in biblical and spiritual alignment, really, I'm telling the truth, how it engages all the other areas and brings alignment to all the other areas because it's really about putting God first in the heart. And here's what I would say to you. If you've been a Christ follower, you are a Christ follower, and maybe you've stopped doing this, and maybe you used to do it, and maybe you've never started it, here's what I would say. Start here when it comes to giving. And I would say this. Uh, when it comes to giving, we don't rob this bucket to fill that bucket. Pastor Ricky said, we got to give over here. I'm taking it all out of here and putting it over here. No, 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 no. Start here. Fill this bucket up. My wife and I, uh, we've tithed our whole married life. But now we give 20%. We give 10% to a tithe, and now we're giving another 10% over here. 
Because here's what happens. When God fills this bucket, it overflows into this bucket over here. And that's when giving gets to be really a lot of fun. So let me say this. There's roughly 90 days between now and the end of the year. 90 days. Here's what I want to try. If this is it for you in the area of stewardship, uh, of generosity, and you're giving, here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. For the next 90 days, try it. If you can't give a full 10%, give 2%. Give 5%. Give six. I don't care what the number it is. I'm after your heart. Begin to, to bring your giving under this biblical principle. And here's what it is. Just try it for 90 days and watch what happens in your finances and in your life. Let's fill this bucket. I got somebody in amen over here. Come on. Let's thank the Lord for that. All right. <clears throat> Listen, I had to fast and pray because I was talking about this stuff this week, okay? We fill this bucket up. Now, the second bucket, after this one's filled up, is, is over here, and this is offerings. Now, biblically in, in the Bible, you see three areas where offerings goes. You see, first one, when there was a time of need. You would say, hey, in uh, and, and 2 Corinthians, there was a famine, there was earthquakes, and they said, hey, we got to take care of these people. Let's take an offering. There was a need. Uh, you see in the scripture, a second one was when they were building or repairing the temple of God. Moses took an offering when he was building the tent of meeting. Hezekiah took an offering when it was in ill repair. How can we have live in these fancy houses when God's house is in ill repair? So they took an offering. And then you see in the scriptures where the gospel needed to go to new territories and they needed to pay to get it there. So there was gospel opportunities that they needed uh, special offerings for that couldn't be waited upon. And so there is this beautiful, uh, in the scriptures, where it's more a spirit-led, and sometimes it's in the moment, and sometimes it is planned for something that's coming uh, in the future. So how we do that here at Stone Creek is we challenge people who have been tithers for a, for a season to give above the tithe to our Kingdom Builders initiatives and monthly pledges. And uh, we do a special offering twice a year around Christmas and Easter called the Miracle Offering that's all designated to our works around the world. And so that's what I want to talk to you about in the next few moments is what do we do with this bucket locally and globally? And now what I want you to do, if you haven't already, put that card in your hand. And if you don't have our app, I encourage you to scan that QR code and download the app here in the next few moments. So you need to get out your cell phones. And if you, you have the app, you'll notice that on the app is our new Kingdom Builders booklet, which is right here, okay? This is a Kingdom Builders. This is all the priorities for the next uh, two years here at Stone Creek Church. This is where we're going. This is what we're doing right here. And you can download the digital copy of this and go through this with me over the next few moments. We do have, as you exit, for some of you that say, hey, I don't want anything digital in my life, we got print versions for you. On the way out, you can pick those up as you exit the building. The Kingdom Builders is broken up into four categories. We have local and global partners. That's important. Uh, we have local projects and church expansion. Think church building projects when you think church expansion. Then we have global projects, and then we have future Christian leaders, and we have legacy, okay, future Christian leaders and legacy. So we'll start uh, at the top and then just work our way down. But global partners, you're going to see a list of our global and, and local partners here on, on the screen. We got just different, um, a whole list of these, just different people uh, around the world. Go ahead and put that out. Yeah, there it is. There's some of them, uh, partners that we have. Uh, we've added new partners this year. We've got a few pictures of these, uh, different uh, Chi Alpha 
college missionaries in Chicago, Illinois, YWAM in San Francisco, and then all nations in the Arabian Peninsula. Juan Pablo and Victoria are uh, doing a business, a spice business in Middle Eastern countries in order to, they can't go as like normal missionaries, so they're going as business, business leaders, entrepreneurs. I love that. So some wonderful partnerships. But today, we have the wonderful privilege of having some of our global partners in the room. I've already introduced Mama Lucy. But now we have Pastor Serge and Natalie from the Ukraine who are with us today. They just landed in the Ukraine, from the Ukraine on Tuesday, Serge did, and now they're here on Sunday. Can we welcome them? Come on up, guys. Woo! That's good. Love you guys. Come on. This is awesome. So Pastor Serge, Pastor Natalie, uh, Serge, why don't you greet us and then give us a Ukrainian greeting if you don't mind, in, in, in Ukrainian, and then talk to us. I'll try. You'll try, okay. <laughs> and then talk to us a little bit, uh, what's going on in the Ukraine, what's new for you guys. Uh, I know you're going back. Tell us a little bit about all that. Yeah, well, it's uh, good to see you this morning. Доброго ранку. It's in Ukrainian, good morning. And uh, it's a privilege for us, guys, and an honor to be here and to partner with you. Yeah. And actually, your church, you know, we're, we're, we've known each other for like over a year now, almost two years. And um, your church came in a time of need, just like you were talking about. And it's so great to see what, what your church, your community is doing in Ukraine, not only praying, but financially helping and changing people's lives through our church, through the ministry, and, and while the politicians and the army doing their stuff, you know, our goal is to reach out to, to people and bring the hope of Christ into their lives. So we're uh, rebuilding homes and rebuilding lives of people at, at this moment as the winter coming. We're preparing as well with the still doing wood stoves and, and woods and rebuilding some homes actually for the people that are on a eastern part of unoccupied territories and uh, still working with refugees. We started our leadership school because there is a huge need. Uh, out of 40 million, 40 millions of Ukrainians, 15 millions left. So it's so only 15 third. million left in the country. Yeah, so we, we see it as a huge need in the leadership. So we started the leadership school based on our church, but it's non-Christian people coming as well and working with uh, how to relate to soldiers, to people with PTSD. We're going to train our church. And we restarted our elementary and middle school uh, in our city. So it's, uh, it's been amazing uh, to see the opportunities with, in spite of everything that is going on. We see how, how God is uh, doing his, his work through us, you know, and... Uh, this in three weeks coming up, we have a we're we're uh, organizing the retreat for the pastors who left on the territories uh, closer to front lines. Uh, so we're gonna bring in like uh, around 100 pastors with their wives, so they can um, receive rest and, and encouragement and go back. Because a lot of them haven't had any breaks since yeah, the war started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we thought it's gonna be over very soon, you know, yeah. but it's been almost two years and it's really important to get some rest and encouragement. And when some people come in from, from outside, it's really encouraging for Ukrainian people to see that to see that hope and uh, 
and that there is a future, and we believe there is a future. So actually speaking about Urbana, we were here in April and praying, because we were, when the war began, we, we moved back with the family to California, and we were traveling back and forth, and uh, in April here, we received the confirmation that it's time to go back. Yeah. Time to go back with the family. So to move in, back to the to Ukraine. move back to our city. Yeah. And so in December, that's the plan. We're taking our kids, going back yeah. to Ukraine because well, it's a, it's a privilege, as I said, and it's a calling, and uh, it's a time of need. And we we understand we gotta be with our, our people there right now. So thank you, thank you so Come much on, for for your partnership and for yeah. prayers and support. So, Natalie, uh, you heard about Urbana. I didn't even know you heard out about Urbana. Tell us a little bit about how your family's connected to this city. So about 15 years ago, my sister came here to a conference, and she came back, and she told me about it. Um, she was in college doing her pre-med, and she was so inspired to do ministry with InterVarsity. Um, that she, she moved with her family to Ukraine, was doing ministry, and um, over, five over five years ago, yeah. And now, a month ago, when the war started, they came here, and now they went back to continue ministry uh, with her three little children and her husband. They felt like God is calling them back. But Urbana, this conference that she went to, it really affected her life. Yeah, it was here in the city. It was yeah, here. Yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So they're getting ready to go back, and uh, so they haven't seen this video that we're about to see, but we interviewed their children <laughs> and talked to them about what it means to go back to the Ukraine. So let's watch this quick little video here. Guys, you can look on the screens with us here. Yeah, that's awesome. You guys want to stand right here? Hey, we're going to pray over these guys. Uh, we're, gonna, we're in one of their sending churches. So I'm going to ask the elders who are present. Mama Bovi, Elder, Elder Gary, if you'd come. Ed Burnson, if you could come. Joe, if you want to come. Miss Angela, Pastor Angela, if you want to come. And guys, I, I just want to just pray over them as they go back into the middle of a war to pastor a church not too far from the war zone. And guys, come on around these guys. And if we can, we're going to let Gary pray over the mic here. And just guys, if you don't mind, let's extend our hands this way. Let's just have a moment uh, where we pray over them and just ask God uh, to just do a fresh anointing. They'll send them back with a fresh vision and a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit that they're truly walking in step with him and they'll see uncommon fruit in this season as they step into this uh, war zone that the God of peace will be with them. So Gary, would you pray over them? Lord God, we just come to you. And um, I'm reminded when I was in Ukraine, you showed me that there's a spiritual warfare going on. Even before the fighting broke out, Lord God, they have been on the front lines of a spiritual warfare. Lord God, a spiritual battle. And I'm reminded that you said the gates of hell will not prevail against your church, Lord God. And may your church rise up and continue to grow and be purified and be strengthened. And we stand with our brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord God. May they be encouraged by us 
and by the work of your Holy Spirit in their lives, Lord God. We pray for protection. We pray for the resources. And we pray for a growing of hope and encouragement in their hearts and their lives and in everybody that they touch, Lord God. May they be um, ambassadors of your kingdom, your hope, Lord God, your grace. And um, may they have the resources to bless the needs, the physical needs, but also the spiritual needs of the people. May your church grow strong in Ukraine, in Russia, in East Africa, in the Philippines, in all our partnerships. These stand as representatives of the spiritual battle and the physical needs all over the world that we stand with in unity as brothers and sisters. May you be glorified in Ukraine and in around the world, I pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Can we show our appreciation for Natalie and Serge? Love you guys. Amen. Keep that here. Man, I love being a part of this church. You just never know what's going to happen on a Sunday when you show up here. One also, uh, that's kind of more of our global and our global emphasis, but now let's, let's bring it uh, to a local context. These are some local projects. These are things that our, this bucket right here is doing. Is, you've heard us talk about the Urbana Middle School, the teacher's lounge that we've remodeled. You can see here, this is the finished project, what it looks like right now. And it's just absolutely beautiful in there. And our goal is to hopefully do one teacher's lounge in our, in our community, surrounding communities per year. And so this one is the first one that we started with. And doesn't it look wonderful? It doesn't look beautiful in there. It looks great. Yeah. It was an eyesore, they said, in a place they never wanted to go to. But now people are showing up when it looks like that. We got to switch out the Pepsi for Coca-Cola. That's the only thing I would say about that. Okay. That's just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, next is this, is I want to talk to you about Easter Banna. I want to talk to you about, let me just, let me just be um, part of a community that maybe you don't know a whole lot about, and some of you do. Some of you may live in this part of our community. Historically in our community, this is a part of our community that is uh, under-resourced and historically underperforms. There is a high concentration of crime in Easter Man, of violent crime, domestic violence, and murder. It is interesting how in this part of our community it, it houses our juvenile detention center, which is right next to the county jail, which is right next to one of our lowest performing schools in, in, in Champaign-Urbana, uh, and, and also right next to the only strip club in town. Come on, somebody. It's amazing how that, that's all circling within just a few square miles in our community. And so meeting with police chiefs, meeting with mayors, meeting with administrators, school administrators, just uh, a, a few years ago, um, the, the Lord just began to speak to me. In fact, when I started seven years ago, uh, there was an imp there's, no, there's no church in that part of town. There is no, there's a building, but there's really no church. Uh, the Four Square Church that's located there across from Preston Williams used to be a church of about 450, but through a series of circumstances had dwindled down to seven people. And uh, I just began to approach the Foursquare movement 
uh, the Lord just gave me a vision one day in prayer about a mighty oak tree just springing up in that community in a powerful way. There's a, proverb, or, or there's a verse in Isaiah that says, the fields, the forest has been cut down and it looks like stumps. But Isaiah in the end says, I will make it a forest filled with trees again. And I've just been praying for seven years that God would do something in that part of the community. Well, they approached us about two years ago to begin a long process of strategic partnership. And just a few months ago, Stone Creek Church has, uh, we have not bought the building, but they're giving us free use of the building. So the only thing we're responsible for is upkeep and utilities. But it's ours to dream with, ours to think about how we can serve this part of the community. I have no idea what we're going to do with it. Actually, I have too many ideas on what to do with it. (laughs) But uh, we're being patient. We're doing vision tours. We're praying there. We're going to saturate the neighborhood. We're going to take neighborhood gatherings there. And we're just going to begin to begin to dream and think about what's God asking us to do about that part of our community. So I invite you to say that this bucket is going to have a lot of influence on what we do there. Uh, we got to remodel that building. There's things that we need to do. We're thinking about making it a community center with, uh, that incubates uh, minority-owned businesses and single-mom businesses. We're thinking about after-school programs, feeding programs, mentoring programs. There's so many things. And maybe have a church in there at some point on, on a Sunday. But who knows? I'm just saying it, putting it out there. It's in seed form now. But let's pray as we think about what God's asking us to do in that part of our community. Can we do that? Can we do that? Amen. Now, uh, this last thing I want to talk about and is very important, and this is where we talk about legacy. This is one of the parts uh, about legacy. We're going to skip over the global trips, guys, and we're going to go to this thing we call legacy. And um, legacy is connected to our future. We call it future and legacy. And legacy is about what we leave behind. It's about the stories that people will tell about our time at Stone Creek Church. Because listen, many of you are sitting in a room right now that you gave nothing to build. You're sitting in chairs that you gave nothing to buy. We're we're sitting in a building that was uh, built in uh, the, the 70s and 80s. They sacrificed, they paid for this. They built this. Now we've remodeled it, but they did it. And we tell their story. You know, decades from now, they'll talk about our season here at Stone Creek Church. What happened? What did God do around the world? And I want them to tell a great story. But one of the things that we need to deal with is our debt. Over the last, uh, since I took over seven years ago as the lead pastor, we had to remodel a lot of stuff. We had to buy HVAC's parking lot. I still think there's cars buried in holes in our parking lot, you know. (laughs) We spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in a parking lot, tens of thousands in HVAC. Uh, this building, I mean, the pews, uh, I, I mean, man, I think they were as old as the country in 1776. I mean, they were old pews falling apart, and we just needed to remodel that. So we've done extensive remodeling uh, on this whole building, but we feel we're at the point now where the, that we've done enough remodeling. We may do a little bit more here and there. We still need a roof on one part, but now... It's time to deal with debt that we've carried for over 20 years. We've carried roughly a million and a half to $2 million worth of debt for 20 years. We have paid over a million dollars worth of interest in 20 years in this church. 
to the tune of almost $20,000 a month. Okay, and you know interest rates aren't going down. Come on, somebody, they're going up. And so we have had uh, one individual in our church to the Legacy Fund, which is part of Kingdom Builders, has already uh, given $220,000 to that this year. We have another $100,000 that's being given as well. So already $300,000 has come in for this this year. And we're just believing that it's time in the history of our church that when, when they tell our story, it's the story. Yeah, they remodeled buildings. Yeah, they did these things. Yeah, the gospel went all over the world. But they left it debt-free. And that's what we want to do. So um, our kingdom builders giving, a large portion of that this year, we're going to still do all the stuff around the world, all the local stuff, but we are going to start paying off debt in an, in an aggressive way. And here's what I think. I believe that between now and the end of the year, I think that number can be between a half a million and a million dollars that we can designate towards paying off debt. I got one amen. Do I hear two amens? Do I hear three amens? Come on. <clears throat> now, here's the beautiful thing. God has already supplied all of the money. Come on, isn't that? He owns the cattle a thousand years. The, that's the beautiful thing. You know, the hard thing is, it's in our bank accounts. Come on, somebody. That's it. And so we, uh, if, here's how we're going to close this right here. Here's how we respond to the message. If you, if you need to start on this bucket with tithing, start. Just do that. Remember, I'm not after your money. I'm after your heart. Start that. Align that over here. Uh, pray about what God would have you to give in our miracle offering that's coming up November the 12th. Every year we do this, right before our big give, and I want you to pray about what's God speaking to you about as you can sow into Ukraine and what we're doing around the world, our Kenya initiatives, Nigeria, all the things that we're doing, Ukraine and here locally, but even what you would want to give towards our debt reduction. We're just believing that it's all I'm asking, pray and obey the Holy Spirit because that's all I'm doing, amen? Let's do that. And then remember the 12th. You can give before then, give after then. Uh, we'll take your money anytime. Come on, somebody. But that's what it's about. November the 12th is when we'll start receiving that. Now, in closing, I'm going to invite the worship team as we get ready to close. We're going to end with a really good, worshipful, fast, awesome, celebratory song. But I want to end with one thing today because the gospel is about redemption. And in our congregation, we have a couple who lost a son to gun violence uh, just uh, this year. And their son was murdered in a heinous act by a 14-year-old friend about a quarter of a mile from Easter in, in, in that four-square building. It is one quarter of a mile from that door to where that young man, Montrell Emery, you know him, was murdered. And I do believe, do we have a picture of that, guys, that, the, the billboard that was in our community? I think we have that if we don't. Uh, yeah, here we go. Some of you have seen this sign. Yeah. I'm going to leave that up for a while if you don't mind. And I was coming home from spring break, trip to, to Gatlinburg, and I started getting all these texts from people in our community. Did you hear what happened? And I heard uh, the story of Montreal. And I'm, you know, I just was, you know, you, you hear these stories. They seem like they're happening all the time now, don't they? But I just had a nudge. This is what it means. We pray so the Holy Spirit speaks. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And doesn't always do this, but he did this time. And said, I want you to help this family. 
So we didn't know them in a great way, and we, we had to hunt them down through social workers and different things, and, and we found them, helped them pay for their funeral, which Stone Creek has done many times for different places, but for this family, we just felt like this is what God wanted us to do. And uh, we did that, and they've started attending Stone Creek, found a really strong church home, responding to different messages. And um, what they've started, uh, we have uh, Marcus, DeMarco and Sharika right here. Can, can you guys just stand so we can recognize you guys? Come on, can we do that? Can we give it up for these guys? Now listen, I want them to stay standing. Here's what they've done. They've turned their grief, their, their, their mourning into ministry. And the pain of that will never go away, will it, guys? It's always going to be something you carry for life. But Sharika started a group for moms who've lost sons to gun violence, children to gun violence, so they can grieve together and serve others in our community who've gone through the same thing. Uh, they organized a march against gun violence here just a few weeks ago, doing a great thing. Now watch this. Um, their son doesn't have a gravestone. And they want a little bench that they can have uh, to sit there and visit with their son as they reflect and remember and honor him. And what they've done is they've purchased a billboard to get the message out and do different things to serve our community, but they don't have the money to put a, a, a tombstone. All there is is a patch of grass. And so um, they're in our neighborhood gathering cohort where we're learning how to live on mission and to serve our community. And that group heard about this, brought it to our attention. So we've contacted the funeral home and Stone Creek, this is what this bucket's going to do. We're buying the tombstone, and we're going to put the bench there so that they can visit their mom. Amen? Let's all stand with them now. Come on, let's stand with them. And we mourn with you guys, but, and we pray for you, but we're in this with you. And this is the story of redemption. Listen, God has all kinds of stories that are going to come, good stories, that he's going to turn death, and he's going to bring in life into other people. This is what the gospel does. It transforms hearts, but it transforms communities. It's what, exactly what it does. And so what I want us to do, let's, let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes, and let's put our hands out in front of us, palms up. We're going to pray now, church. Well, let me just speak to those who um, have yet to receive Jesus. You know, the gospel is started with God's generous act. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave. You see, we serve a generous God. And he gave Jesus to you. All you have to do is receive him. And if you've never received him, ask him to be Lord of your life, surrendered your life to him. You can do that today. He demonstrated his love for you that he sent his son to die for you. Call upon that name, the name of Jesus right now, to save you, to forgive you, to cleanse you of your sins. And as you're praying, I want to move to those in the room who are already in Christ, which I'm assuming is most of you. I want to pray for Sharika and DeMarco right now. Father, I just thank you for them, this incredible story. God, you're meeting them in the midst of it says in Psalms 84 that you step into the valley of weeping and transform it into a place of springs. Lord, that valley, he says, is a shadow of death in Psalms 23. seems like David was always writing about that valley of weeping and death, but you transform it. 
Lord, I pray guard their hearts towards one another, guard their marriage. They have other children. Lord, out of this atrocity, I pray will come, will spring up life. I pray the love of God would grow in their heart in a way that it's never been able to grow. I pray, Lord, it's so easy to harden themselves to one another or you, but I pray give them a new heart today, a new heart for each other, a new heart for the Lord. And I pray they would not carry around guilt and shame. I would pray move the stigma of shame and guilt and replace it now, Lord. Replace it with your love and your mercy and your grace. God, redeem that story over and over and over again. Let it echo over and over again in our community. God, let this be the first thing that's been cut down in that community uh, through our leadership at Stone Creek and our ministry that begins to grow again. The scripture says, can the stump grow again that's been cut down? And it says, even at the scent of water, it will grow again, the book of Job. Let that begin to grow now. Out of the root comes the shoot of Jesse, Jesus. Bless that, Lord. Bless that neighborhood gathering. Let it bring life into death, light into darkness. Now, I want all of us to begin to pray. This is not about what Ricky's doing. This is about what God's doing in this church. And I just want you to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you now. For the first time, I just want you to begin to think, Lord, what is it that you want me to do in response to this? Begin to just say, Lord, speak to me. Open my heart, Lord. Open my ears. Open my eyes to see the world in this community. Open my heart. To respond with generosity. Open my ears to hear your word. God may speak to you about where you're to give and how you're to give. This is how the Holy Spirit works in a place. Father, Paul said it. I'm not after your money, but your heart. So we give our hearts to you fresh and anew. God, let the legacy of our season here be one of great blessing of the world where you did miracles among us. Lord, Send a wind and pay down this debt in a great way. We thank you for what you're doing, Father. And we give you praise this morning in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Hey, let's, uh, let's end with a little bit. We always end with worship and prayer. Let's end with a little bit of celebration. Let's get moving again if we can. Worship team, would you guys come back up and lead us in a quick song as, as we leave?